Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 276 of Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. We are recording this on the eve of your London trip. Yeah. Don't go. I don't want to go. I know. I don't mind being there because I like to work with people. I like to do my job, but I genuinely hate to be away from my family. And I don't like to be away from home. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's both of those things. Mostly my family, but also my home. For someone that was on the road nearly constantly for 15 years, I never liked it. I know. I know. You're, you were never like, wanderlust, baby. No. You're I, the what, biggest homebody. I want everyone to think of whatever spontaneity and wanderlust looks like to you. I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> Literally. So with that... Come to our online program. We'll see you online. It'll be just like we're there. We're really good at these mediums. We love you. We want you to come here. We're trying to figure out a retreat that we can do in the San Diego area because this is paradise here. We'd love to share it with you. Let's face it. You doing my online programs is mostly about me not having to get on airplanes. (laughs) No, it isn't. It's just a really efficient mechanism of learning. It is. You don't have to pay for a plane ticket. You don't have to have jet lag. You don't have to leave your life and your pets and your people. You don't have to even take time off of work if you don't want to. Although, Why not if you want to? Why (laughs) not? So speaking of that, before we get started with today's episode, we have just a few days left when this episode airs of the early bird pricing for the 200-hour online teacher training, which is a certified program for you to become a yoga teacher if you would like. And so if you want to learn more about that, go to learn.jasonyoga.com slash 200. It's got all of the details. There's like a little message box in the bottom right corner of that page. So if you have any questions, you can chat and send us a little message and I'm the one who gets it and I will answer you as soon as I get it. People are always like, oh, wow. It's you. Oh my gosh. It's Andrea because it comes back for me. That's, of course it's yeah, us. That's, of course it's us. I want to say one more quick thing about it too, which is even if you don't want to become a yoga teacher, but you just love this practice and you want more context and organization for all the parameters of this discipline, um, it's still hugely relevant. I would say that maybe not 50% of students, but I would say maybe... 25% of students that do 200-hour trainings don't want to teach. That, But it's the environment where we have a deeper and more comprehensive and a structured process of learning the scope of this practice and the magnitude of this practice. And when you do it, you have to think like a teacher. You have to pretend that you're going to be a teacher. You have to put yourself in that role. But if that isn't a drive or an interest for you, it's entirely okay. It's still a great opportunity. I can't say enough good things about doing a 200-hour teacher training because that's as much formal training as I did. And it was, oh, God, I just loved that. I loved that period of learning. You just learn. It's like supercharged learning, and it changed the trajectory of my whole life. It introduced me to meditation practice. It introduced me to all of the history and 
deeper philosophy of yoga that I was longing for. And it is really, I'm pretty sure the reason I got my job at Yoga Journal, because I applied for that job about when I had about one month left of my 200 hour. And so I was just so deeply in it and really passionate. And I think that came across in the interview. And I think it set me apart. Yeah, too for, for me. Sure. So I don't know. There's just so many things that can come of it. And I'm excited for those of you who have joined and I'm, we're excited to meet you. And yeah, that's about it. So today we're going to talk about the things that motivate us to keep practicing. Yeah. Or to get back on your mat again. And what I think what I want to acknowledge is we're recording and most of you are probably listening in the throes of summer and it's COVID still exists. But we're mo- most of us are in a world where we've been coming out of COVID for a certain period of time, depending on where you live and what state you live in and what your personal comfort zone is. But the time that we spent in COVID, I think so completely interrupted and changed people's schedule that as we come out of it, I think there's just a certain... There's an excitement, but there's I think there's a little bit of a malaise around practice. I just know that so many studios and teachers that I talk to, attendance is down. Mm. It's softened. And that doesn't mean that I think the total global demand for yoga is decreased or decreasing. What I think it means is there are just more people in a little bit of an interrupted schedule. It's a little bit of a lull. Summer does that anyways. And the other time that does it is late summer, early fall, because so many people that are regularly practicing have their schedules turned upside down for a period of time around late summer when people are going to college, kids are going off to school. So I think that between now for the next month or so, this is just one of those periods where we have to buckle down and think about the value of our practice. And we have to take, I think, certain steps to help facilitate greater motivation. And I'm going to tell you the first thing for me that comes up in re-motivating ourselves is it's counterintuitive, but it's to take on a bigger practice project. And I want to articulate this a little bit, right? So the yoga practice is not about personal or spiritual or philosophical gain, right? It's something much more nuanced than that. However, when we talk about motivation, when we're working with the human condition, progress is motivating. It's motivating to think about a like a certain set of tasks or a certain element within ourselves to develop. And I think that I think that when we're in a little bit of the summer malaise, we have to think bigger or else we're just bored. I don't think you want to just keep doing the same thing the same way at this time of year. I don't think it's going to unstick you. I think what you want to do is you actually want to take on a bigger internal practice or a bigger internal project. And the easiest thing to wrap our head around is literally just focused focusing on a pose or a region of the body that is a little bit... A little bit beyond your current grasp, like either a part of your body that you actually don't feel that good in or a pose or a grouping of poses that you struggle with. And just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to start to chip away at this demand. So this is how I'm thinking about it, which is we want to take a bigger project, but we want to chip away at it in small increments of time 
for a consistent period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Right? I mean, yeah. Because I don't because I think we need motivation. I think on some level when we are stuck, when we feel flat, when we feel stagnant, I think we need to take on some material motivation sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like an external material thing, but it's almost it's like, like I'm going to work on Balancing and forearm balance. I'm going to work on balancing and forearm balance. Or you know what? My back bends have gotten laughably bad. Or you know what, man? I've just been feeling awful in my shoulders and my neck. So whatever it is, decide, no, I'm going to think big. And I'm going to spend the next couple of months slowly and consistently chipping away at it. So you don't want to think to yourself, okay, I'm going to take on this really hard project and I need to have it done by tomorrow. Because there's no, that's, you're going to throw in the towel. So you want to say to yourself, here's something that deep down within I would actually like to work on. And I'm going to create a strategy to work on it. And I'm just going to slowly plug away at that one thing in short, consistent practices over time. That might be something as simple as like, all right, I want to balance and form balance. This week, I'm going to practice four times for 20 minutes each. I'm going to focus on shoulder flexibility. I'm going to focus on shoulder strength and I'm going to focus on core strength, period. Yeah, I love, I actually love working that way because you can also, it just really inspires your creativity about your body and about a pose. So like you said, you can break it down that way. You can also say to yourself, um, I'm going to play around with props for a couple days. And because I just remember when I first met you, everything, any piece of furniture in my apartment was like a prop for you. And how can you use chairs to open your upper back? How can you use belts? Are you like that? I do you like that I called it a belt after all these years? And to see, it's funny because I now call it. I always say, grab a belt or whatever you call it, a strap. A strap's fine. You call it a strap. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think it definitely it can get your creativity flowing when you focus this way, and then. It also does that beautiful thing of reverse engineering. It's even if you, there are many times in my life when I said to myself, I'm going to work for the next few months on balancing and forearm balance. That's why I brought it up. And I, there was a period where I could balance really well in forearm balance, but there were plenty of periods where I actually didn't get there, but oh my gosh, I learned a lot about my body and that pose in the process. And that's kind of, like you said, even though it's important to what you're suggesting is setting the goal. But ultimately, it'll just help you practice. And the ultimate goal may or may not come. And that's okay. What goes in, what you develop when you work on a pose is infinitely more important than the pose itself, right? So if we stay with the same example, right? And ironically, not ironically, but I have been doing a lot of stuff about forearm balance in Yoga Teacher's Companion. Right. So if you haven't checked this out, we're being no. very literal. Check those out. There's been three videos on I yoga didn't, teachers. I didn't companion. even know this. So, yeah. But if you think about it, right, what are some of the basics that go into forearm balance? One of the basics is shoulder strength. Another one of the basics is shoulder flexibility. Another one of the basics is core strength. Another one of the basics is being able to control your body through a transitional movement. Another one of the basics is keeping the eyes relaxed and focused. Another one of the basics is being consistent and persistent over time. For some people, one of the basics is working through fear. All of those things are more important outcomes than doing forearm balance. And so this is another way where 
we get the upside. And it's another reason that I say pick something big. You know what I mean? Pick something slightly out of range. Pick something that feels inspiring. Something that doesn't feel irrelevant. Like for me, my feet touching my head in Scorpion, it's not relevant in this lifetime, right? But maybe pressing to handstand is. So you want to take you want to take on something big that's inspiring to you that you can chip away at and then at the end of the day exactly as you're saying if you do this the point it's like a long con right <laughs> it's a con <laughs> it's true right you're kind of convincing yourself oh, okay I'm going to get this beautiful thing and everyone's going to love me but really what you're doing is you're making it an excuse to practice and I think that a lot of times When we feel tired, when we feel maxed out, when we feel lethargic, when we're in the summer, whatever it is, we go almost too easy, but too easy and is insipid and uninspiring. So you just say to yourself, I'm going to take this big task and I'm going to break it down and I'm going to work with it. Jack Workman has this really funny reel. I'll put it, I'll put a link to it on the show notes page where he's like, this is me practicing at home. And there's like a little piano music in the background and he gets on his mat and then he just lays down and he just rolls in his mat. He's just like rolling in his mat. It's like when you just find yourself aimlessly lolling about, that's when this kind of focus can be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that we want to consider to as a as like a source of re-motivation is to normalize the reality that our passion and interest and drive for practice or other forms of embodiment for most people it waxes and wanes and i uh, this is a, this is something that i struggle with because i don't know if I don't, I want everyone to value being a student. And being a student means navigating the vicissitudes of your passion for that thing. Like sometimes you're going to be more excited. Sometimes you're not going to be as excited. But in those moments where you're not as excited, even if you ebb a little bit, just come back. And this is something that's just so easy, everybody. Like, just actually come back. Do you know what I mean? Like, just actually do it. It's so, I've been talking to people a lot about this, right? Which is the more convenient something is to do, equally the more convenient it is to not do. And I think that a lot of times we don't realize how easy it is to do a yoga practice because you can do it almost anywhere at almost any time in almost any way for almost any duration and it works. But because it's so easy to do, it's very common that we neglect it. It's like easy come easy go. And so we have to step back and say, "No, I'm not going to I'm not going to neglect this thing. I'm going to I'm going to know that just because I have a softer interest Or that interest has weakened a little bit. Or I just went through, you know, my my mother just had surgery and I had to take care of her for four weeks. And I feel now I'm, quote unquote, like out of yoga shape or my head's not in her. There can be any number of reasons that life can get in the way. And some of them can be, like you said, intellectual, emotional reasons. Some of them can be very practical, concrete reasons. And I think part of what you're saying is... 
that this normalize ebbs and flows is so important in everything in your life. Right. Because when we don't do that, we get, we're getting into black and white thinking. Like I used to love yoga and it was the best thing ever. And now I'm just like, nah, I found out this and that, or it didn't do this and that for me. And I'm done. That's very black and white thinking. Like we want to cultivate a more flexible way of being with ourselves because it's how we get back to healthy habits. It's the same thing with like when we eat and go on vacation and we get off of our regular nutritional patterns or when we stop hydrating as much or when our sleep goes out the window. Like this is how life goes. Right. We're not machines. And so we have to normalize like being flexible with ourselves. And I think also I just want to add one more thing, which is I think that what I struggled with for a long time and what you helped me with is just recognizing that your home practice or whatever practice you're doing on your own, it doesn't have to look or feel or be the same duration as a studio practice. Right. And so just saying to yourself, like sometimes I think I'll do some yoga and I'll, I won't even count that as like real yoga. Right, right, no, right. I right, just right. did yoga. I was on right. my living room floor and I didn't have my mat out. And I was wearing sweatpants instead of like my yoga pants and my you know, my tank top. But I still breathed and moved and did yoga for 10 minutes. Absolutely. Like that's, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Absolutely. I want to take a step back and I want to remind everyone that when we are talking about taking on a bigger challenge, I can almost guarantee every single listener had something come to mind. I almost guarantee it. Everyone had some thought of, yeah, my shoulder could be a project. My back bends could be a project. Lotus could be a project. Deeper relaxation could be, you know, whatever it is. Like, I guarantee that there was some visceral, intuitive thought that came to mind for you. Okay. So then pairing that with what we're just talking about here is, We have to remember that everything has momentum. Everything has inertia, including not doing things. That's true. Right? Yeah. So this is where one of the most important, valuable things you can do is just turn the ship. Like if your ship is heading in the direction of like the Straits of Malaise, right? Or if you've been in that canal for a while, that's okay. That's a hard time to turn it around. But that's when... That's when a little bit of, to me, personal tough love steps up and says, listen, I'm an adult. I need to make a good decision in my life right now. And I might not want to do it, but I'm going to get on my mat. I actually do want to do it. But like, I'm going to get on my mat and I'm going to hold down dog for two minutes and see what happens. And again, it can be anything, but when you're not, not doing something is... A habit. So if you aren't practicing consistently, don't feel bad about it, but just say, oh, that's actually a habit that I'm in. It has its own momentum. It has its own inertia. And I'm going to do something about it actually now, mm-hmm. right? Actually now. And that's where you take that bit within you and you say, you know, maybe I want to focus a little bit on handstand or I want to focus a little bit on back. But what it literally, I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. You just decide that there's a personal project for you and you just do a short practice with that in mind. And then 24 hours later, another short practice. So the way I'm really thinking about this is big project, 
many small victories. Like just short, small, chip it away victories. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I have another thought. Now, I don't want to overwhelm anyone. It's like the last thing I ever want to do is when you're stuck, I don't want to give you or someone else too many suggestions and too much to do. But for me, what I find is I genuinely enjoy my practice the most when I am inspired in other ways in my life. So this is a way that we can pair our yoga practice with something else that is a personal project, something else that's actually inspiring. And for me, there's three different angles that you could come up with. So for me, the first one is overt physicality, okay? So let's say I decide I want to start to focus on feeling better in my shoulders and better in my spine and just open up my back bends. I might take that on as a personal set of yoga practices and I might also decide I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to, I'm going to do some shoulder strengthening and I'm going to do some spinal strengthening, right? Mm-hmm. So I might pair it with something else that feels motivating. Yeah. And I just say that for me because my physicality is the my core coping mechanism in this life. Being physical is the main thing that helps me focus and that helps my nervous system feel regulated. So it isn't just about the the more the the kind of like the uh, some people think physicality can be a little vain like we're just cultivating our physicality for, you know, for appearances, right? I don't I'm not going to completely discount that, but I'm also going to say that pairing my yoga practice with other physical things doubles down on my appreciation for my yoga practice. I would say the next thing that could pair really well would be for people that are have have a more that want more creative or intellectual inspiration, which is to actually decide like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna read some book. I'm gonna read like something that isn't just this short form that we always deal with. It's not just Instagram, TikTok, this or that. Like, let me take on an intellectual project. And and maybe that's like reading a book. Maybe there's maybe there's some hobby that you have always been interested in and you take an online class on that hobby, right? Or read a book on that hobby. Like something to just feel a little bit more alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just when you feel more alive and more connected to some intellectual inspiration, that is inspiring. And when you feel good, you're more likely to practice. Yeah, it's really true. I would say the final thing is, not to get heavy, but it's like for some people it might be pairing yoga and therapy or pairing yoga and like art therapy or journaling journaling or um, a, a meditation practice that's even more oriented around processing and understanding your mind state and your intellectual narrative or your emotional landscape, right? So kind of thinking about what are the key the key phases of my life, physical, spiritual slash emotional, intellectual. And then kind of saying like, oh, I'll actually probably be more inspired to do my yoga practice 
if I am more inspired in my life. And one way to be more inspired in my life is to actually take on a concrete pursuit in one of those other dimensions that just makes us feel more alive. I'm just, you're making me think of my friend Allie, who you know really well. She's a really good friend of mine who is a graphic designer and an art director. And so in her day-to-day work life, she is working on the computer, right? All of her design work is through photography or through Photoshop, any in design, all of the computer stuff. But anytime I talk to her, she's always taking a class, an art class on Uh, her own. She's uh, my age and she is always taking like a painting class or a gouache class or a, she also she takes art classes and she takes baking classes because she does a lot of food photography. And uh, she just loves food yeah. photography and she loves food. And I love that about her. Like she's always she'll always share things on Instagram and she'll share little projects she does with her daughter and things when I'm talking to her and I'm just like. This is so cool. And it's so possible now with yes. online learning to yes. find these little pockets of inspiration. And we just forget. We forget. So, yes. Yeah. When we go a little, I don't, for me, like I was thinking, well, how would I feel if I took an art class? And I, what I immediately I think is I'm out of my comfort zone, right? It's not necessarily out of her comfort zone, but I would say whether you're decide to do something outside of your comfort zone or a little bit more supplemental to things you're already doing. If you feel flat in life, you're probably going to feel flat in your practice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you do anything that just feels different and helps you develop, I genuinely believe you'll be more motivated to do your practice. I don't know. Your artwork on the airplane the other day was pretty good. <laughs> My artwork is... Pre- I don't even know. Okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. But let's say we are officially done with this podcast. Okay. I have said everything I want to say on topic. Okay. And then everything that we're going to talk about now, which we'll, we'll keep it brief, is bonus material that you can choose to listen to or not. Okay. Okay, so I was born in 1974. Oh, man. What are you going to talk about? And I have a brother who's eight years older. So I came of age as a child in the Midwest in the late 70s and the early 80s, listening to almost exclusively... um, like hard rock and metal, like ACDC, Van Halen, uh, kind of. You're, that's what your parents listen to. Yeah, but much more like ACDC, Van Halen, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, like that That was my world. And in that world, I'm sure in other worlds too, um, there was, it was all records, right? And those records had amazing logos and cover art. Right. So I can still like in my mind, like the Van Halen symbol, the ACDC symbol, the Motley Crue symbol, the Black Sabbath symbol, the Ozzy Osbourne symbol, the Kiss symbol. Right. Like all those like really classic 80s visual iconography. So all I drew as a child. (laughs) Right. All I drew as a child was that stuff. It was like band logos. Mm -hmm. And then like the symbology that went with it. And I drew an unbelievable amount of, like, stick figures with mullets and band shirts. (laughs) Stick figures. Stick figures with band shirts. 
right? Oh like a Motley Crue band shirt and like a mullet. And, the, and then usually, <laughs> this is about to get dark, usually they'd also have like knives in their hands. <laughs> the boys are so <laughs> the boys weird. Are so weird, They're right? so weird. Right? Um, and so we did some <laughs> art on the flight home. Well, we what, had, okay, let me, I'm going to interrupt here for a moment. So we had a really long day of travel that was... Lots of different flights and drives and delays. And so about three quarters of the way through the last flight, Sophia started to get really bored and anxious. And she had gotten these brand new um, brush pens for her birthday. And so I busted out the brush pens and I gave each of us a piece of paper (laughs) and said, let's do some art. And here's the other thing that's kind of funny is that girl, as a girl, I always just did hearts and rainbows and dogs. And that's what Sophia does. So Sophia and I are writing, are drawing on the same page, and she, I'm doing like, um, you know, little ar- arrows of different colors, and she's doing shading and sort of stained glass with hers. And we look over, <laughs> and Jason's like, his quote unquote art is just writing <laughs> about like a band tour that was a joke that our was dog our... was going to go on and headline. Yeah. So it was Ginger's tour. Yeah. And I won't go into the details because I don't think it'll be funny, right? Would it, you know, I think I think we should probably... Um, I mean, I, just, I might, think this, it's just too might, much of an This might joke. get into the zone of had to be there. Yeah, had to be there, yeah. had to be there. But yeah. but it just was pretty funny. It was that tour Jason's art. art was gray <laughs> writing in his chicken scratch horrible <laughs> handwriting, by the way, that you could barely read. Yeah. And there was like one actual little artistic bit which was like a star yeah let's let let's let the let's let the symbology go yeah uh there were uh no one of the things you miss is there were a bunch of lightning bolts oh i missed the lightning bolts darn 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 yeah and i what i here's what i would say i'm going to close by say i would say that was a that was like a 10 to 15 minute process you know i would say those are that was like the i really genuinely enjoyed it it was very inspiring to you and to the whole family, and I took a photo of it so as never ever to forget your band art. The, it's, the band art is still on my table. I well, maybe we it. should frame it. Maybe we yeah. should. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like a, me- a memento. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're still listening, if you're still listening, um, and you join the 200 hour training, <laughs> he'll show you the band art. No, and you and you complete, you graduate the 200 hour training, and you request it. I will show you the band art. Well, wait a minute. So you're you're okay. I thought you were going to say like because that's how we'll know. That's how we'll know that someone's like you know what I'm doing it. I listen to this whole episode. Boom. So you're not going to show them the band art until like graduation. Day? Oh no, no. This is the kind of thing you got to hold out for. Wow. All right. Yeah. I thought you were going to get it. There's just some difficult. Up, listen, there are just no. some things in life that are difficult. You and really this is have one to work them. for them. Got to yes. work for it. It's a carrot for you all. It's a yeah. carrot. Okay, Jason. Well, thanks for this. (laughs) And I'm going to put links in the show notes to those for our balance teacher's companions that you mentioned. Yeah, there's three of them. They're really good. Okay. So you can find that at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 276. And let us know how your practice goes. If you could share doing your practice on Instagram, we would love to see it and tag us and we will reshare and just be so happy to be connected to you in that way. All right, everyone, until next week, enjoy your practice. That was epic. <laughs>